From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we move in to our 24th year on the radio. And appreciate all of you who have helped us along the way, especially you, the listeners. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we are glad to have in person Maribel Hernandez Gomez uh, is joining us, uh, a veteran of Radio Santissimo. Uh, that is correct. Yes. I'm very lucky to be with Lorena, maybe 12 years oh, now. Oh, wow. Our, yeah, our, uh, long time. Spanish language sister station here in the Diocese of Sacramento that just has all kinds of listeners. Yeah. But thank you for the invitation. That's well, my we, first time with you. Well, we appreciate you coming in, and uh, <laughs> we conduct uh, this in English because my Spanish is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I took four years in high school and still can't speak it. That's nice. Um, you know, maybe you Spanish sounds like my English. So oh, your English <laughs> thanks is for very the invitation. Good. Your English is very good. <laughs> I would not be doing that well in Spanish for sure, but... Um, how many languages did God give us, I mean, in the world today? I mean, it's mind-boggling. That's, uh, you know, not counting just, let's talk just about Mexico or just yeah, about sure. United even States. Even the Diocese yes. of Sacramento, how, mm-hmm. many, how many masses we have and how many languages. It's, it's wonderful. It shows, you know, that we're embracing diversity and embracing the differences in people. Yeah, that's uh, in California, you know, the agencies working on developmental disabilities, they're working on seven languages now. So wow. that's just amazing. Seven, uh, that's a lot. I know in my county, Yolo County, which is a small county, I think we have the ballot printed in seven or eight languages, including mm. Russian. Yes. Uh, we have a, a fair Russian uh, population in Yolo County. It's very incredible, but that's the, uh, I think after the Spanish, is probably, you know, the, the third or third the fourth? Or fourth. Yeah, yes. I, think, I think you're right. I think yes. you're right. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So tell tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background. I know your 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 card is the beautiful UC Davis Health System, um, community outreach at the Mind Institute. That is correct. I am the community outreach uh, person for the Spanish speaking community. And, but of course, I do Spanish and English, and I just love to be around the community uh, because uh, on my head, you know, there's a bunch of information. But um, what I like about the mind is that, you know, you're based on, uh, on facts, mm-hmm. on science. So I love what I do, and I, I, I love to be working at the Mind Institute because one of the main things that they do is not just only finding, um, well, the, you know, the, the institute is based on autism. Mm-hmm. The, so, and th- that's the idea, to find a cure for the autism. But, um, you know, we looks like we're far from that. And But in, in these times, what, what the MIND does, the MIND Institute is doing, uh, I think, very well, is, you know, create those opportunities and those programs and that science to really support the growing up of the people with right. the, not just autism, but with developmental disabilities. The uh, Mind Institute is part of UC Davis Health, and uh, I, I believe you're, you're located on the UC Davis Med School uh, medical campus. 
that we are very close. Actually, that's a, that's a beautiful building that we have. The Mine Institute is on the 50th Street, uh -huh. very close to the main hospital. Right. And uh, we are uh, there. That, that's in a beautiful building that's just the Mine Institute. Yeah, we've, mm -hmm. we, we have a, a daughter who has uh, been helped by the Mines Institute uh, years ago. And so we're very fond of it and uh, the dedicated people there for sure. That's uh, what we try. So does, does it deal with more than autism? Uh, yes, there's a, you know, the, the Mine Institute is divided in three big areas. Uh, the main one, that's the investigation. That's not only for autism. They have investigation. And uh, there's a lot of genetics now, and there's a lot of ADHD mm -hmm. and communication on any diagnosis with developmental disabilities. So there's a bunch of of research. But um, the other part, that's a clinic. That, that's a small clinic for diagnosis, and now they have a... You know, uh, we use, um, they put a clinic for the transition mm -hmm. to the adulthood. So, and um, they opened that clinic uh, recently. And now where we are, what I am part of, that's the Center for the Excellent in Developmental Disabilities. Mm -hmm. That's short set. So uh, at the set, what we do is uh, this, you know, working, helping the families to navigate the system. Because it's always hard, mm -hmm. you know, even when you have a, type, a typical child, it's hard to be a parent. Correct. So when you have a child with a disability, it's a little bit harder, and you need to learn a new language, not just talking about me that I have to learn. I learned uh, English, but I also have to learn the disability language. You know, the special education, the system, the medical system, the the, the system for the services. That's a, that's a another language. So it's very, for me, I, I really enjoy to help the families with all this process and just you know recovering for you the, for the diagnosis. Uh, there's something that is called early intervention. That's mm -hmm. zero to three. That is, um, I just was talking with my colleague it's really hard to understand you know because uh most of the times you just receive the diagnosis and it's like you just get on a knockout and now wake up and you need to understand the word it's just impossible that's really hard the early intervention is really hard so that's why we want the families to come and you know talk with us and we can help them with that process how to recover how to give the next step how to understand what to ask because i think one of one of the main things is that we don't know what to ask because we don't know what's going on mm -hmm. we don't understand so we we can we don't have the tools to do the right questions. We don't have the information to do the right mm -hmm. questions. So that's why it's very important, and that's what we do. And uh, we have a wonderful team. We have people um, on the English line. That's uh, my friend Benita and, um, and, and Steve Ruder that he knows. He has a lot of knowledge on what it is the um, you know, the adulthood, he has more than 30 years working with adults with uh, developmental disabilities. And um, in Spanish, that's uh, Cecilia and me. So, and uh, we have a team to, to help the families. And I've been there for 10 years, so I, and I love what I do. So what, what's your background that brought you to the Mind Institute? 
That's, um, you know, the, the first time I, I got there, it was on, uh, on May of 2003 mm-hmm. when my son, my oldest one, uh, received a diagnosis of autism mm-hmm. that, uh, that later was my, my um, director. How, how old was he? He was almost three. Uh-huh. So he was, um, he was almost three. He received a diagnosis there, and that was the first contact. And they have uh, lectures and uh, still doing at, um, every Wednesday. So I was desperate to learn. You know, I, I, I really... I really want to know what what to do. How can I help him? So even when my English wasn't perfect, I go there and uh, I listened. And the first hour it was very technical, mm-hmm. so it was super hard to understand. And then the the last thirty minutes, the the last thirty minutes, uh, it it was more um, you know family friendly. So it was really nice to be there and listened all the uh, you know ideas that they present to uh, help your your uh, loved one to have success. So you 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 have a child. A child's born. A child is developing. What leads you to decide you need to see somebody? It's it's different than when a child has a, a cold or a fever or a, a something that you know they've got the flu. They've got it, autism is such a broad spectrum, if you will. Yeah, that's uh, that's why it's very important to be a community, mm-hmm. you know, because the person who catch that something is going on with my son, it was a group in the community. So I, I participate in some uh, classes at the community mm-hmm. that where they have a childcare, and they notice right away that something is going mm-hmm. on with my child. Mm-hmm. So and and I can't because you know that's my baby. Sure. Um, I am pregnant. Uh, he's just behaving like that because I am Mexican and he's attached to me mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, mm-hmm. we have an explanation for every single sure. thing. Sure. So, but uh, it, they they don't. So they notice immediately that something was going on with Max. So they um they they ask me, do you want us to make a referral for you? You know, we have some concerns with Max, and um. I asked a uh, child developmental specialist that I have a really good relationship with her. And I said, um, what do you think is going on with him? And she goes, I can tell you that because, you know, that's uh, that's not my role. I, I don't have the credentials to do that. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, you know what? You're my friend. You can say me that. Sure. As a, you sure. can say that as a friend. And she said, yeah, that's um, okay. Um, out of the record, so we we want to rule out autism. Mm-hmm. So it was. I mean, you hear autism, but you never pay attention because that's a reality. Before you have uh, someone in your life with a disability, you don't have the time. You don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. And so that was the first time I hear that, and I start to you know check on what I have to do where I need to go, um, what is the things that going on with autism, what that means. So I learned, and I talked with uh, another social worker. And uh, so when I went to the Mine Institute and I, they gave me the diagnosis, uh, they asked me, so what do you want? But 
you know, I have a very clear idea on what I want because I have uh, get the information on what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I said I want um, behavior therapy for my child. And so, so it's behavior that is out of the ordinary is what tipped you off? Yes, because they um, most of the time it's also the language. Mm-hmm. Like both of my kids, they speak until they turn five. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so, th- but that's uh, that's a lot of behaviors. For example, with Max, uh, he has um, something that they call the lost that they start to develop. Typical, but at some point around the eighteen, that's when they lost some abilities. So Max was getting worse and mm. was getting abilities. But when I I got pregnant, that he was almost two, and he lost the, the those abilities to learn new words, to behave, to right. you know, to do things by himself. And um, but I didn't notice because for me it was because it it was my fault because I sure. was pregnant. Sure. I wasn't paying enough attention to him. And then uh, with Chris, it was completely different. Chris never um, was typical. I mean, he was a sweet child. He was a, a really nice baby. But when he turned 18, he just, you know, show all this um all this crying all day long, biting his 18, 18 months, oh, 18 months. 18 okay. months. Uh, okay. Yeah, when he mm-hmm. was eight, I'm sorry, when he was 18 months old, he used to start to cry all day long to bite his hands. He never had a word. And um, so, yeah, the diagnosis was there when he was 18. Yeah. So both of them had autism, but yes. their symptoms were different. Completely. The way that they get at the diagnosis, the way that they, you know, grow up and they ch- how they behave as babies, that was completely different. And still, mm-hmm. <laughs> still mm-hmm. completely different. Yes. Were you at, at that time able to speak English? I started to speak English when they say that uh, Max needs services and it will take like three months to put uh, the, uh, the, the services in Spanish or we can start to find the services mm-hmm. on Monday. And I say, okay, then I speak English. English. Right now. Yeah. I speak. No, I learn. I yeah. speak English now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they say you know, what, what the, the necessity is the best teacher or the, the most motivating teacher for sure. Yeah, that, that's a reality. And that's the way I show the families, you know, this book is too much, but just go to the appendix and find what are you looking for and open the book on that page, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that's when you're going to learn, because that's what do you, you're looking for. That's what do you need? So just were there, were there or are there enough services for in this area for people uh, uh, Spanish speaking? That's a big um even for the English families, you know, we have uh, on most of the services, there is long waiting list. Mm. But, you know, if we don't put our name there, it's going to take us one more day. So it's better that, you know, that that's the way it is. And it, I don't know who, whose fault is this, but that's how it is the system. And uh, if we are lucky, we can find another program and try to, you know, uh, put a name in a different place that maybe there is not a waiting list. But uh, that that's uh, there's a bunch of services. There is a bunch of possibilities. Uh, there's 
tons of support. So we are so lucky to be here in California because we have the regional centers and right. they provide, uh, you know, they're, they're that um, um, contact. They have the knowledge where are the services and they can help you to coordinate. That's their job. That's the people called Alta? Yes. That, right. That's what, what we know as Alta. Right. Yes. So, and that's throughout the state, um, the, uh, re- the regional centers. Uh, the regional, that's regional centers. We have 21 in all California. Right. And the one that we have here, that's Alta California right. Regional Center. Right. But for sure, we say Alta. Yeah, right. Yes. Right. Yeah, good people. So d- do you feel that a lot of autism gets not diagnosed? I, I always have this question, and, um, it, it, and I... Uh, you know, after reading and learning, and yeah, it's just about that it's very painful for us because the people is saying is pointing out that something is going on with our child, and maybe we see it as parents, but it's so painful, mm-hmm. and we prefer not to. Oh, and we absolutely. think, and that's a huge mistake that we believe or, on or how we want. This goes away by itself. Yeah. It's not going away. And i always concerned about this. If we can help them when they're three years old, when they're five years old, when they're seven, what are we going to do when they're 18? Can you imagine a 18 years old on the floor or running away, trying to chase him? So this is not going away if we don't help them. We mm-hmm. need to find the... the resources we need to find the services and uh we need to learn because there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of misinformation and um we live in a system and uh, my friend luz gonzalez she said doesn't matter where we knock we are going to the same we are going to the same place why because this is a system and that's how the system works you know um this part of uh, when that diagnosis is autism in these years who is in charge does the um, the insurance your mm-hmm. medical insurance right. doesn't matter that's medical or that's private medical insurance and for other diagnosis regional center has more right. to do right. but being autism being a um, diagnosis of autism that's going to be with the medical insurance first so you have, you have two sons, both with autism, but very different symptoms. And abilities. And abilities. And lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and every single thing is different on, uh, on them. And, uh, my little one, Chris, that he, he has more challenges, that, uh, you know, he started not talking. Then um, at 18, he started to cry. He received early intervention, and um, then he started with uh, behavior therapy, and um, he went to school, and when he was in first grade, uh, they want, because he can behave, they want to place him on a, a mental, on, on the class for kids that they have challenged with mm-hmm. mental health, mm-hmm. and um, for me, and uh, I think that's where we have to know or 
rights and understand how to do all this advocacy that we have to do for them. Because I remember very clear that IEP and I say, um, if you don't want to work with my child, I don't want you to work with my child. Sure, sure. Because I don't want my child in a place that they don't want him. No, no uh, that would be every parent's nightmare, I would think. And uh, he's not being a bad boy. He's not misbehaving. He's asking for help. Mm -hmm. He needs support. And that's why uh, we are here, to find those supports. But I need to find the people who wants to work with him. And so they keep him at the school. They put more support. And um, he was in regular. He was in full inclusion until the... Um, uh, the first year of the middle school that we find out that it was hard for him. It was impossible for him to go to one classroom to order to change, one teacher to order mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. have lunch with one kids now and next say something different. Right. That was super hard for him. And he has his uh, paraeducator with him for six months, but we just quit because uh, in reality she was doing every single thing for him. And that's not the case. And uh, so he went uh, uh, to the special education, and now he's in a um, transition adult program. So he's getting some time to go to work. He is um, gaining abilities for the uh, everyday life. And um, so he's going to be there on, until the last day of his 20 years, 21. And yeah. then what? And then what happens? And then that's that's the problem. That's where is the you you're know just, the big crack on the on system. Yes, because uh, I mean I can send him to work because we have the Department of Rehabilitation right. with the coordination of regional center. He can go and work, but you know what? He can read music. He plays the piano. Mm -hmm. He he draws. He's an artist, and um, he's completely verbal. He has a bunch of abilities, but. Uh, it's hard to say it, but most of the time we are just looking on the disability, mm -hmm. not on what he's capable. On the abilities. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not on the abilities. So uh, I'm planning, that's my job, to take him to the college, enroll him in some classes, and hopefully he can, you know, be successful. At least, you know, we we want to try what he likes in if he can have some success there or find a job on something that it's that he that he likes to do that will be perfect but um at least we need to try if there's nothing like that we can say uh it was not possible because it's not there but we already try well it, you know it's it's interesting because the, the community colleges are very good at allowing kids to take one class or two classes uh, of their choosing, uh, not um, the state universities and the UCs are, are much more regimented in terms of, okay, you're a freshman, you've got to take so many units, you have to be on this march to graduation, and you have all these requirements, whether you like them or you don't like them, um, foreign language and math and so much of this and so much of that. Um, and with some some kids, it's it, it's not a poss it's truly just not a possibility that they're going to be able to to have that discipline and that rigor, or the ability in all those fields. Um, and the community colleges sometimes, 
do a really good job of including those kids. Yeah, they have the services. I mean, but you have to go. You and have to go. You have to ask. Yeah. That is correct. And even then, it's up to sort of the individual professors uh, how much accommodation and how much they're going to get. That is correct. Yeah, but we need to try. We never know, yeah. and you know, if not, we can find uh, something uh, that give him some abilities to have a specific job, and you know, go uh, as a technician. Yeah, and, 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 and DOR, DOR Department of Rehab mm-hmm. is is very good with that, trying to trying to place kids in certain jobs, and um, like maybe uh, a fast food job is truly just too much going on, too fast. Uh, and their businesses, I mean, they, they need a certain work product, but sometimes um, there are jobs where they fit just perfectly. They can do the job. The employer really gets uh, a good day's work, if you will, and, and the benefits of being able to work and earn your own money and uh, do a schedule are, are enormous, I think. Yes, that's 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 my goal, you know, because he can keep his life living with the uh, social security uh, income. But I, that's I don't want that for him. Right. I want to pay taxes. I want him to be, you know, to pay back on what sure. we receive for the system sure. because the system pay for the the services. Right. So they they are um, they showing what is possible. Right. You know, but even social security is, is hard to get. Yes, uh, for 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 people. I mean, uh, people are routinely turned down. That clearly, quali- just in my estimation, just clearly qualify, and end up having to go to court to try to try to prove that they deserve. And and social security is not. It's not a. It's a safety net, but there's not. A, it's not. Doesn't involve a lot of money. No, that's not a lot of money. Yeah. That's what I say. You know, if you go to work, you can earn more yeah. that you receive for the Social Security. Oh, yeah. And that means that you're going to have a better life. Yeah, so oh, yeah. that's uh, that's my idea for both of them. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, uh, with my ex, I don't have too many concerns uh, because he has a lot of skills. He has a lot of abilities. He can drive. He can, oh, he can uh, drive. That's yeah, right. he's, he has... I don't know, five years driving now. So, and uh, he was working in a job program that uh, regional center offered for the clients, and he was very successful. He, you know, he loves. He, he very. He's very responsible. I mean, Chris is also very responsible. He every morning he get up and do all by himself, all his routines. And um, but uh, with Max, I don't have to worry. You know that mm-hmm. oh. He's going to do something that he doesn't suppose. That's the difference. With Chris, I always have to oversee mm-hmm. what's going on with him because, you know, he, his brain is wired in a different way than mine. Right. <laughs> so right. I have to check on him. But, yeah, Max, um, he's, he's ready to go back to college. He started college when the pandemic hit. So he went back to, uh, to, to home, and then he started this uh, program, working for, um, for this program that uh, Regional Center offer. And uh, now it, it, it's only offered until day 23. So next month, next month, Max will be 23. So he can go back there. So 
he's going back to college. Mm -hmm. And let's see, let's try. And, you know, even if the college is not for him, we we have more things to do, you know. Not yeah. all people went to the school. No, right. We don't born to go to, not all of us born to go to the school. So yeah. I'm sure there's more things that they can do and we can help them to get prepared and to be successful. So when you talk about early intervention, is it, is, is it medication? Is it counseling? The, is it a combination of things? The early intervention, that's the program in all California, I, I think in all the United States, that uh, they'd have to identify and provide services, free services, mm -hmm. to kids zero to three years right, old. Right, Until they go to the, you know, get ready for a program for the special education. That's right. uh, that, that's that's the early intervention. And they provide services. Like for Max, it was late because that was on May when we got the diagnosis. And then uh, it was June, July, and he he turns three on September. Mm -hmm. And those days, because they made the referral to the Sacramento, um, to SCOI, Sacramento County Education Department, and they close, mm -hmm. right? Because that's the, the school calendar. Right. So he basically only had like two weeks mm -hmm. of early intervention. And different with Chris it's like when Chris um, you know when he was 18 months old and he received the diagnosis and uh, they already were doing these assessments if he qualified for early intervention uh -huh. and just because the fact that he has a brother with autism he, he qualified for services oh, okay. so uh, when we everything happened almost the same day when we start to receive early intervention he received his diagnosis so we we start with the, um, the 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 speech, the OT, the physical therapy, and um, um, early early childhood specialist, mm -hmm. and uh, he started to receive services, and that was uh, fantastic because that make him ready to receive the uh, behavior therapist. So. Then we start with the behavior therapist, and he get out of the early intervention because he turns three, but he continue with the, the behavior intervention. And they, in those years, the behaviorists uh, used to go with them at the school. So that consistency between the school and the and home, that was wonderful. They, uh, they, they learned too many things. They were trained because that's a reality. That's a, that's a train. Right. They get trained on, on too many skills. And the pandemic was really hard, I can imagine. Yes. By that time, uh, Chris was only receiving uh, his social class. See, it's um, uh, one hour and a half of services um, with a group uh, of, by that time, he was 19 years old. So he was with, uh, you know, with a group of teenagers mm -hmm. and so the pandemic gets here and they put the services via zoom and uh, most of the families they drop no they don't want like the zoom that's not a good idea and for us it wasn't the case he was ready for his class he was taking his zoom class and um and for me they they gave me uh two hours a week for a behavioral specialist to have that consultation, you know, because uh, I'm the mom, 
I've been learning about behavior for too many years, but I didn't go to the school for that. So uh, we have, we're still having behaviors, you know, because we all have behaviors. So when Chris was having behaviors, you know, when we were on uh, at home, um, I, I was so lucky that I, ha- that I have those two hours with my mm-hmm. behavior specialist to consult how I can solve this. In your job, what are your what are your toughest challenges? I think that um, I need more time to talk with the families. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a that's that that's the hard part. That um, it, it, it's hard to organize and find free time. Uh, to learn and to understand, you know, the the system, the disability, but um, because uh, most of families is not only this child with a disability, they have more things, they have more family, they have other kids, so that's what that's why it's hard to find that time to talk with the families and uh, help them to, to you know to navigate to do it. Uh, in an easier way so they can look for the services, ask for the services, and um, put in place those mm-hmm. services. Wow. So these are the children God gave you. Oh, I and love I, my I, I know you're a woman of great faith. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And um, that uh, when this happened, when this happened, um, I always said, uh, God knows why. Uh, I never asked why me. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. was thankful. And until this day, I am thankful because um, I have all this opportunity to meet people, wonderful people like you, like uh, Julie, like all the people at the church, Lorena, and all the people in my community. I can, at, at this morning, I was with Maribel Lopez from Univision, mm-hmm. and all the all that those opportunities um maybe that's a really high price you know because that's the diagnosis of my kids but that's the i mean i always say uh my kids they give me more than i can give them mm-hmm. so yeah I, I just love them and um i i am always thankful for this life that's all you can say yeah well it's that's that's beautiful. what uh, for people listening, um, what would be your advice to them? I mean, to, are, there, are there things to look for? I mean, sometimes people think, oh, well, uh, maybe I'm not doing something right here, or maybe that's just normal. I, you know, there's, <laughs> there are lots of books written about early childhood, but as you know as a parent, and I know as a parent, it's like there's not a manual. Every kid is different. They're uh, just naturally different. It's it one size does not fit all. That, that is correct, but there's um, they give us a really good idea on what we have to look. You know, <laughs> I I, yeah. I I grow up my kids with a book because I'm the only one who lives in California from my family. My whole family lives in Mexico, mm-hmm. so that in and that you know my husband he was always working, so I was along with them and I have to learn. And I was so lucky that you know go to my community. And from my community, they say, Maribel, something is going on. And what I did, I listened to the specialist. 
listened. If nothing is grown, that's fine. You did. You went to find if something is going on. Mm -hmm. If they say, nope, it's only on your head, wonderful. But you already reach out. You already right. know right. that nothing is there. But um, like I say, it's super hard because we love our kids and we don't want nothing happen to them. But yeah. uh, for me, uh, I always, uh, I still open for recommendations. That's my word. Whatever you want to do with him, this is my first one. And you as a professional, as a professor, as a teacher, as a behaviorist, as you had more kids than just one. And mm -hmm. this is my first one. So I always open to um, to recommendations and I, um, I, I, I listen what they have to offer. And sometimes maybe you don't like it. So, but that's not the only, you know, we are not on the novelas where that's only one uh, doctor and right. only one. Right. <laughs> no, we are in a really huge community that it has more than one professional in each area. So do you feel a lot of people don't understand, not just your kids, but, but kids with autism, they, they, they don't recognize that this is, this behavior is something that that um, isn't quote unquote voluntary. That it's caused by something. That's very interesting. That um, it's always like, why you can't do this? Mm -hmm. Why you don't behave? Right. It's like you can't. Guess what? They can't. <laughs> That's true. They can't because the brain is, you know working and reading and just uh, they, they don't think and feel like us. Uh, let me share something. You know, I'm like, how come Chris can get on the, on the, on the you know, on the slide, on the games at uh, the restaurant? Mm -hmm. It's super fun. All the kids wants to do that. How come he doesn't want to do it? What happened with Chris? And uh, you, you think about autism and you think that all the... Uh, kids are hyperactive, right, right? Right, because that was Max's case. Well, Chris, no. Chris was hypoactive. Mm -hmm. Why? Because every single thing that he does is painful. Just moving is painful. Just trying is painful. So we have to teach him that it's not, he's not going to get hurt. And getting on the slide at the restaurant, it was so challenging for him because he can hear the noise of the light. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine how loud gets oh, that, yeah. that, <laughs> that yeah. noise inside the tube? So that's um, they, when, when you say, why this can't? That's true. They can't. They need help. That's how we have to see them. They need help. What we can do to help them? The fear that my boy, he, he's on panic. He can't tolerate the frogs. He's on panic. He, you know, he has a phobia. And it's real. So think about what is, um, you know, what you don't like, what is, uh, what is your biggest fear. Mm -hmm. And that's the way they feel every time that you say, I can't believe it, he's afraid of this. Right. You need to believe it. He's super afraid. He's not lying. He's not pretending. Right. And he, what he needs is help. He needs support. He needs that love to be understood. How much of it is 
therapy, how much of it, uh, I mean, are there good pharmaceuticals? Are there good things that help? <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> that, in, in my case, yes. Um, but uh, that's very uh, hard to talk about that because we all have different ideas. Mm -hmm. But in uh, same thing, like you know, like it, any treatment, you need to try it. Right. And uh, if it doesn't work for your family, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work for your child, it doesn't work. But how do you know if it's gonna work? And this happened with us, you know. My mom, she's a doctor, and she said, um, you know, why you don't try with him this? And I'm like, no, he doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. And my mom was, I think that will be a good idea. You know, maybe this is going to help him. And nope. But then my friend said, you know, this is helping to my boy. And I'm like, what it is? Same medication that my mother say. Huh. And I say, okay, I'm going to try it. I try it, I fall in love, and um, I start to give the medication without the knowledge of my husband. <laughs> 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 and years later, he is the one who is, oh my goodness, we need to give him his medication. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> because, you know, for my boy, that, that really works, that really makes the difference, um, makes a steal still making the difference he can go to the school be successful tolerates that you know the the big thing with him is that people doesn't follow the, follow, follow the rules that's mm -hmm. the huge thing for him and he can tolerate when he's with his medication he can tolerate that and he has all these uh, strategies to ask for help and to go away and yeah breathe and all that he knows all that so but the, the medications help help him a lot why, why were you originally uh, opposed? Um, <laughs> that uh, uh, for the, you know, that he wasn't able to sit down. He wasn't able to, um, to attend. Um, we start with the Ritalin. Mm -hmm. We start with the Ritalin. And, um, but after we tried too many things, it was so hard for him. Mm -hmm. He needs to learn how to be by himself. He doesn't know how to be by himself. So we have to teach him, him how to be by himself. And then um, I remember that we used the white noise mm -hmm. for him to pay attention. Right. It was the black noise all the time in his room. So he was able to focus. And then uh, we, we find this medication and... Uh, his doctor that he's been with him has signed the day of his diagnosis. I uh, say, okay, let's do this. And then, you know, he moved from the kinder to the first grade where he has these challenges that they don't want him and they want to right. move him to. Uh, right. So that's when, uh, as parents, we need to work as a team. And I say, maybe this is a time to adjust the medication. Yeah. So we did it, and the neurologist, he did uh, the adjustment, and he started with the, um, he started with the Concerta, with the boost of Ritalin, mm -hmm. and also um, the other medication that uh, it helps with the impulsiv impulsiveness. Mm -hmm. That's, um, I forgot the name, because he's not taking that one anymore. But uh, yeah, so instead of one, the neurologist adjusts him to three medications, and yeah. And it worked, you know, thanks to that, he was able to stay in the full inclusion. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, 
an awful lot to think about. Um, um, blessings in your work. Um, that's, that's difficult work, but I know it must be very satisfying, too, to be able to help people. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I really, uh, th th when I talk with the parents, for me, it's that I'm changing the life of a little kid. Yeah. So that's it. That's wonderful. Like when they say, oh, Maribel, thank you so much. Uh, God bless you. And I'm like, the best way that you can take me, thank me is, uh, you know, do something for your boy. Yeah. That That's that's wonderful for me. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for taking the time to be here. And I hope uh, that uh, you can come back and share more stories with us. And uh, Anytime. God's blessings to you and uh, your family and everybody you work with. Thank you so much. Thanks so Thank much, you, Maribel. Thank you. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. I'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. 
This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. This is Deacon Kevin Stasco, the director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Deacon Kevin, and for all you do, and for that wonderful introduction. This, this is the Bishop's Hour, and uh, we've been uh, at this uh, labor of love for uh, 24 years now. And our uh, as long as I've been alive, Gabe has been <laughs> with us for a lot of that. 16, I think of them. Wow, I know it makes you it makes you think about how the time has kind of flown by, and things have changed and stayed the same, and uh, been through. Um, we're we're uh, on the radio every day, um, yep. six days a week, and but also other ways to listen to the broadcast. Yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, the broadcast is also a podcast uh, now, as, as with a changing with the modern times. And um, the easiest way to hear the show, if you can't get to the radio, is subscribing to the podcast. It doesn't require any money it doesn't require any uh commitment no signing nothing no uh there's no there's no spamming you there's no asking you for money or anything like that it's just you click subscribe on the show uh whatever podcast app you have on your phone uh be it the uh, itunes app if you have an apple phone or being um podbean or google plus you can go on to and we're we're there uh and uh, you just subscribe to the show and what it does is every time you open up that 
that um, that particular uh, app, it'll tell you how many shows you are behind. And if you want to catch up, you can. If you want to select a show you want to listen to, you can. You don't have to listen to all of them. It doesn't require anything. You can just look at it. And then you also can go to our website, scd.org. That's SCD as in Sacramento Catholic Diocese.org. And scroll down. There's a little button you can click on uh, for us and our counterpart, uh, Radio Santissimo. And you click on us or them, but click on us since we're talking about us. And um, you can listen to shows going back a while, actually. I thought it was about a week rotation, but um, it looks like it's been set up to go back for a pretty good far back, you know, uh, library. Very good. Yeah, so, you know, those are all the things. It doesn't go back 24 years, but, you know, it goes back pretty far. 24 years. It's a, that's a, it's a moment in time. It's interesting because, I mean, I feel like it's just yesterday that, that I started here, and it's been 16 years. I mean, it's been a, it's been a, I mean, it's been a large chunk of my life. I mean, you know, I wasn't even married at the time. I had no kids, and. All three of my kids have been brought up in that studio behind me, where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, uh, two kids when I started this program, and now I have six. There you go. <laughs> must there you be go. something about children in the bishops. Yeah, it must be, <laughs> must be. But it's funny how things don't change. I mean, there's this the same file cabinet in the corner over here by Bob, and the same clump of wires that Maybe I don't know we what should open that file cabinet. Nah, you know, I mean it's like it's like a time capsule. On TV, what, what yeah, it was some some. <laughs> it's like yeah. some vault we're gonna open. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a time capsule. Maybe there's gold coins in there. Or Maybe there's a book on how to do radio. We should we should yeah, we should read that. Maybe there's, uh, you know. The the secret to happiness, a copy of the Catechism, the mm, Bible. There you go. There you go. Um, I would assume the Bible is probably the in there. Ten Commandments are in there, probably. There are probably a lot of good things in that file cabinet. I have the same giant clump of wires behind my console that I have no idea what they go to. You, uh, yeah, we explain to the listeners, uh, if you haven't been in this, we, we have a room, a studio where, where the microphones are, where, where we broadcast from. Just a kind of a round uh, table, small table, like you might have four people for dinner around a completely round table, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know headphones and microphones and all the the usual stuff. But then you go into the production room, and there's a you know a, a glass window where Gabe and I can see each other and give us hand signals. But um, and there's this what they call the board. Yeah, the board. Radio. And it has more dials and flashing lights. And uh, back in the time of uh, oh, a few years ago, actually just before I started here, I was uh, doing a night talk show mm-hmm. uh, on KFBK, three hours a night, every night live. And the first thing they showed me after they hired me was the board. Mm-hmm. And because because uh, you're working nine to midnight, you're alone. Mm-hmm. There might be a couple people in the newsroom um, filing stories, and then maybe they're going to come on and give the, uh, some. There was a fire somewhere, or you know something happened. Uh, uh, they're going to give the news of the day uh, for a few minutes. But basically, you're in there alone. You're running your own board right. while you're on the air. Right. You're playing all the commercials. You're all these. You're answering the phones. The, the lights flashing at you. And I, I looked at that board, and I'm not very t- technically savvy at all. Um, and I thought. I won't be able to do this job because of this board. It's intimidating looking when you first see it. I love being on the radio. I love talking to people. And I thought, can't 
somebody else run the board? And no, and that's not the way it works. You run your own board, and you actually f find out once you learn it. A lot of those dials and all were just irrelevant. There, there were about three things. This is we'll, the, this button will put you on the air. Mm -hmm. This button will take you off the air. Mm -hmm. You put that commercial in the little. It was like a cassette. Mm -hmm. you put it into the wall, and then you hit another button, and they'll play the commercial. Mm -hmm. And there's even a button if you want applause. Wow! Fake applause. We need to get that in here. Yeah, fake applause. You know, there they, they were a bunch of them. Fake applause, fake laughter. You know, <laughs> that you could. You know, you told. See, the worst. The worst part about being on the radio, if you tell a joke, nobody laughs. That's true. Or maybe they're laughing, but you can't hear them. Right. You go. Well, that joke fell flat. Right. <laughs> now you can play laughter with your joke. Right. Yeah. It comforts you. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so that's the way that's the way radio radio works. But uh, it's uh, it's a very it's a very interesting medium which has survived a long time. It's it's amazing how long uh, radio uh, radio is still a very very popular medium, and uh, uh, I feel very very fortunate to uh, uh, my radio career has been uh, in a lot of places, including sports, and uh, which was a lot of fun, but. Uh, I've never had a job like this one that I thoroughly enjoy and, and feel just blessed to be here. So thanks to everybody that's helped us along the way in these 24 years, uh, uh, the, all our underwriters, all our guests, all the support of Bishop Wiegand, who's founded this, and uh, uh, Bishop Soto, who has supported it so great and has so, uh, so supported Radio Santissimo Sacramento as well, our Spanish language station, which which really really has made a difference in this diocese, and uh, so and and of course you, the listeners, uh, the most important. Uh, so why we have this show. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. Spirit is moving.